Hi, my name is Ethan Wagner, and I am the chief editor for Excelsior. Before we get into the podcast, I just want to go over Horace Mann's community norms. Speak from the eye perspective, listen for understanding, assume complexity, expect and accept a lack of closure, and learning leaves story stay. On top of this, I also want all listeners to keep in mind that in every podcast, we'll potentially bring up topics such as race, ethnicity, sexuality, gender, and socioeconomic status. These are topics that here on Excelsior we do not shy away from because they are sometimes necessary to the discussion we are having. However, we always talk about these topics in a respectful and civilized manner. Thank you so much for tuning in, and let's get into it. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Excelsior Season 2. Today we're going to be talking about the newly released remake of Dune by Dennis Villeneuve, or however however you pronounce his name. I'm your host, Jordan Wasserberger. Today I'm joined by Alexei Lee. Hi. Patrick. Hey, happy to be back. Mr. Caldwell. Hello. And new on the mic, Irene. Hey. And me. And a photographer. New photographer. (laughs) All right, so Dune, you know, we'll do what we usually do, go around, give our... Yeah, opening thoughts, talk about the movie. Uh, same old, same old. Alexa, you want to start us off? Yeah. Um, I thought it was a pretty decent movie. I have to say, um, I was a little confused in the beginning, but... We also watched it 20 minutes ago, so... I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I thought it was overall like very cinematically beautiful. Mm-hmm. Patrick? I thought this was the best possible adaptation of the source material, mm-hmm. and it's technologically brilliant. I'm just not a huge fan of the source material, and I felt the same way about this film. I liked it well enough, and that was about it. Yeah, I agree with Patrick. I read the books a few years ago, or the first book a few years ago, and I thought it was fine. Like I liked it. It's just, it's weirder Star Wars is the best way uh, I can I can describe it. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll give my little spiel. I I thought the movie was great. Like I had a, I had a fun time watching it. I think it could have been like five minutes shorter. Like I fell asleep a little bit towards the middle when they first landed Arrakis, um, and woke up a few minutes later. I didn't feel like I missed anything. So again, could have been a little shorter. But I mean, uh, you guys said it best. Like it's stunning. I mean, the the film is absolutely beautiful. Cinematography is amazing. Dennis Villeneuve and I think it was Roger Deakins, uh, did a great job. And so on a technical level, it's outstanding some acting problems or, or all that stuff aside, I enjoyed it. Thought it was a good time. Irene? Um, I'm going to be honest. I thought it was a little excruciating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I did fall asleep for a little bit of it in the middle. Um, I watched it in the theater on opening day because um, I was really excited for it when I watched the trailer like a while ago. It was beautifully made, but it was just way too long. I also didn't read the book, so I didn't know much of the story, which definitely added to that, but... Yeah, it was a good one. I thought it was solid, and I guess my rating will probably reflect that, but like high end of solid. Um, I'm a big fan of the director, so I like most of his work um, from Sicario to Prisoners to Blade Runner. Uh, 2049 to Arrival. I think that he's a very... He did Arrival, right? He did Arrival, and I I think he's really a masterful filmmaker. Um, I thought that the acting was very well done. I, I thought that it was very high concept. And I thought that it was very artistic. It's it's so interesting. You watch Star Wars. You can clearly see the influence that Dune had on Star Wars. But, you know, George Lucas, I think, 
and once again, I'm talking just controversy-free first trilogy, right? Um, I, I think the that the, 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 what Lucas was able to key into in terms of sort of the zeitgeist was the, okay, I'm going to take this family, I'm going to take this, this, this power, and I'm going to focus on this one thing, this one battle. Whereas Dune kind of takes you on this Game of Thrones-esque escapade, which is a little bit more dense. Um, and George Lucas is going more for the feel, and Dune is going more for the head. There's nothing wrong with either, but I'm like Irene, I'm not going to lie. I fell asleep the first time that I watched it. Um, I had the, I had the, I, I was very excited. I saw it opening night. I didn't go to the theater, I, I, HBO Max, but I started it at 10 o'clock at night, which is a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I got about half an hour through. When they landed on Arrakis, I fell asleep. Oh, yeah. And I woke up and we were in, we're well into the desert. So, um, but yeah, I, I artistically, I thought it was an achievement. I, I was I was impressed. Yeah. I think yeah, we were talking about this earlier, Mr. Caldwell. Mm-hmm. Dune, if Star Wars is Lord of the Rings, then Dune is Game of Thrones. And it's that kind of, right. it's, it's that kind mm-hmm. of thing where one is, you know, obviously the more mature, um, you know, more political, uh, dealing with more, you know, high-minded, high-constant issues, and one is just purely fun and, and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I think we can kind of do what we did for Loki, right? Go through acting, cinematography, story, whatever, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so acting first, I personally, I know, you know, most of you may not agree, I thought it was, there were a lot of flat performances. Like, I thought Momoa was great. Isaac, Oscar Isaac was great. Jason Momoa uh, was great. He uh, was Stellan Skarsgård was great. Yeah. And they're, they're only great. I mean, they're always great. For Josh Brolin's... He said five I words. He yeah, had five I know, words. but, like, I love Josh Brolin. I love Josh Brolin, too. And, but he's... I, I mean, I think he's in all of all of Villeneuve's films. I mean, he was certainly in Sicario. Oh, I don't yeah. think he was in Arrival. Oh, no, he was. He was in Arrival. Yeah, yeah but he may not have been Blade Runner. Um, no, he wasn't no, in Blade Runner. No, But, like, like Bro- Brolin's a great actor. We know this from Infinity War. We know it from Sicario. We from, know it from his actor. From his actor. I mean, he, he's a great actor. <laughs> he was just yeah. given a really small part. Um, and so, you know, I'm not really faulting him for not shining through or whatever, but I did think Momoa, Oscar Isaac, Stellan Skarsgård especially, uh, were absolutely outstanding. And, I mean, it makes sense, like, Stellan Skarsgård, I've only here seen Chernobyl, we've mentioned it at least mm-hmm. 18 times on the podcast, Stellan Skarsgård is, I mean, it's him and Jared Harris, and he, he knocks it out of the park there. Uh, the, the Baron Harkonnen was just so intimidating. I mean, it, he, there was, I read this whole article that Stellan Skarsgård wanted to do more scenes nude, because he thought that that was like the way to show uh, the Baron's mm-hmm. imposition or whatever you want to call it. Oh no, I thought they did a good job. I let Chal- Chalamet did better than I expected. He's not a bad actor by any means. I mean, he was good no, in the case. He's, he's overrated. He's overrated, but he's not okay. a bad actor. Well, uh, yeah. But I do think that for this, he was just kind of flat. He kind of left it on the back burner. And same is true for whoever plays his mom. Uh, they were just Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca Ferguson, who's also not a bad actor. Making waves in Hollywood recently. Yeah, yeah, she's done a lot. But I thought like they were fine. Um, but definitely the side characters, side characters shown through here. Um, I think that I- I'm going to give. Timmy a bit more credit than you. I think that Paul is a flat character. I don't think I don't think that Timmy is a is a flat actor. And Timothy Chalamet is probably the best actor that I don't want to like because his fans are so (laughs) I associate his fans with such bad ideas. Um but I, I do have to give him credit. I thought that from the book to this. Paul read exactly. Paul read and watched exactly the same. I just don't think he's a great character. Rebecca Ferguson, 
I think plays the same character in yeah, every movie. film yeah. that I've seen of her. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it's not something that it, it didn't distract me from the film. I just thought that that was where I was disappointed because I think Jessica is a much better character yeah, in the, the book. It's, it's so funny. I, I, I never made the comparison between her character and I'm thinking about Mission the Mission Impossible movies. Oh, thank you. That's where she's from. And yes, this very much conflicted yeah. between one agency and another. Mm-hmm. Wow, good good. And here she's between the, yes, the yeah, Bene Gesserit and, and her son, her family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I think I remain, I don't know. I agree Paul's not a great character, but at the same time, you can, a talented actor can take a bad game or a mediocre character and play them well. To a certain degree. To a certain degree. I was, I was unimpressed by, by Chalamet. But I do want to talk about the supporting cast as well, because this yeah. is one of the best supporting casts. Yes. Yeah. I, I think I've ever seen. Literally every role is an A-list actor. It's My personal favorite is Oscar Isaac. I think um, him or Momoa. My, yeah, Momoa is great. My, I just love Oscar Isaac. But my biggest great with the book and this is why it's hard to separate this from the book my biggest gripe with the book was i didn't like how duke Le- leto leto however, is it you, pro- Lido? Lido? however you pronounce Lido. it i think it's leto i think it's Lido. Lido. i think it's leto atreides yeah <laughs> however however it could be maybe George oscar Isaac. Isaac. How, how how duke leto went out so early um I didn't like in the book, and it makes me sad because in the movie I wanted to see more of Oscar Isaac, and yeah. we won't get to. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I never forgot. I mean, the supporting cast was just unbelievable. Yeah, you know, whether whether your favorite's Oscar Isaac or Jason Momoa, uh, who was great. Like I thought, I mean, Duncan Idaho in the books, if I remember correctly, he's big-ish, but he's not anywhere near yeah. as impactful as he was in in the movie. Um, and yeah, I mean, I definitely got Aquaman vibes. Like, because that's, <laughs> that's just who Jason Moore is. Yep. And, um, but no, I, I was a big fan of Duncan Idaho. Alexa? Yeah, I have to say Jason Momoa. And like, I, I obviously love Josh Brolin, but he didn't have that much of a role in this movie. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know. Um, for me, Jason Momoa really brought it. There was not one point in the movie where I was like, damn, this, I don't love Jason Momoa. Like, I was like, yeah, okay, he brought it. But who is the woman who played the the um oh the Imperium oh, the, uh, scientist? Ooh. Oh, because she uh, was Sharon also great. She was Duncan. amazing. Yeah, she was also really. She good. was great. Like, like she was really great, and I believe. I guess that's the thing that really impressed me about the movie. I believe every character's motivation. Yeah, and she was great, and you know she has a very tragic story. She's clearly a scientist, but she clearly believes. And is very attached to the Fremen. And, you know, she's trying to navigate these two worlds. I loved her character. Yeah, and uh, she's I, an ecologist on Arrakis. On Arrakis, yeah, right. I mean... to save this kind of... But also the, right. be- the best death of the movie. Yeah. Oh, that, that was that amazing. Was, that was a really that was a really good death. Oh, no, she was really... No, she was great. Yeah, I was a big fan. Um, I'll say, the one person who I was really surprised didn't have a big role was David Dast Lashen. Again, however you pronounce his name. David. The guy who plays oh. the Baron's advisor, who's had a huge oh. 2021. Man. Yeah, and, Pokemon um, Man. And Suicide Squad. Right. Had a oh, huge 2021. Um, oh, uh, Petter. But, but remember... I don't think I mentioned his name. But wait, hold on. Remember, this movie like, was supposed know. to come out before Suicide, the Suicide Squad. Remember, this movie is, right. is like a year oh, and a half old. Yeah, right. he's, he's also the Russian guy from Ant-Man, right? Yeah, this was right. This movie was supposed to come out in 2020. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe that's what it is. Um, I 
was just upset that Zendaya had a very small role. Yeah, seven minutes of screen time. She's in every trailer. Yeah, she yeah. is one of the main reasons I went to see the movie. I'm in love with her. Um, <laughs> but I think she's, yeah, I think she's a great person, actor, everything. But, um, I, yeah, it was disappointing. Well, Irene, you had a comment that you made to me earlier. I oh, think yeah. That was the time. There was um, a TikTok that I saw a few days ago, and I felt like I needed to share it. <laughs> um, this guy, he goes... I can't believe I just watched a mom and a son mumble about space politics in the desert for two and a half hours with random ads for Zendaya's perfume thrown in. <laughs> I was going to say, on a marketing perspective, it makes the film really weird to have Zendaya so heavily featured in the marketing and then show up in the last 20, 25 minutes for the film. But it does make sense because you get a lot, you, you get a about... I'd say a hundred million dollars worth of Tom Holland and Zendaya fanboys and fangirls to come to see your film by featuring her in the marketing. So I was actually expecting it. Yeah, they, they, you got so many people, like Irene, who probably otherwise wouldn't have gone, who went because Zendaya was in every single trailer. Yeah. Um, I, what was I going to say? You brought, reminded me of something. Oh, yeah. I, when to, when um, Chalamet, for, or when Paul first meets, what's her name? What is her actual name in the movie? Oh, Chani. Chani? When Paul first meets Chani, I thought it would have been really funny. He was like, by the way, I've been dreaming about you for like eight months. Like, just so you know, uh, you've been in every one. I thought it would have yeah. been funny. Um, but I actually say, I thought the way they did, like films, I think whenever they ha- do dream sequences, it can often be either disorienting or it's like, oh, like, why are you showing us this? Why don't we just see it live? Uh, the way they handled the dream sequences uh, in Dune was really good. Because A, A, it, it was clearly something Paul didn't want to happen. There was an emotional connection that he had. Which I do think is the best scene, one of the best scenes in the movie is when he and his mom are in that sand hut and he's clearly freaking out that like he's seeing these things in his head. But that's clearly not something he wanted to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's this really raw emotional experience for him because he has no idea what's going on. I don't think his mom really knows what's going on. And he just lost his dad. And so all these things are, are overflowing. Um, I was actually a big fan of, of the way they handled that. Mm-hmm. And also that um, it's a great visual representation of how his future seeing skills aren't perfect, yeah. right? Because like, well, he's not going to get just stabbed by her and die in this. Yeah. So um, it, it, instead of saying, you know, my future sight has an accuracy of about sixty five percent, they <laughs> they they show scenarios in which you you know that he's going through emotional turmoil and that's throwing off his abilities. Well, I mean, he was supposed... That guy uh, who Paul ends up killing was supposed to teach him the ways of the Fremen. That's what we see in the vision. Right? He's like, I said, stick me and I'll teach you uh, the ways of my people. And then he dies at the end of the movie. And so, we're, so we don't get that. So I thought, that, I thought it's, it's definitely right. I mean, that's, did he get right, though? He got what? Well, I mean, he, he got to the, the cave thing, right? Where he walks into that overpass. Yeah. And um, then we have to see if he gets uh, the other he gets, ones right. Meeting, he gets yeah. Duncan's death. Yeah, Duncan's death. Oh, Duncan's and, death. And, just, and meeting pregnancy. Yeah, and meeting Zendaya. That's those four things. Uh, the rest of it, we won't well, know until he the also, well, was the, I thought the meeting Zendaya was him getting killed by Zendaya. No, no. Oh, it's, it's, a series, it's a series. It's a series of visions. Whatever. He gets like half of them or most of them, right? Whatever it is. That's not what was important, at least in my opinion. I thought, I mean, it, it gave me very strong, um, like Luke Skywalker learning how to use the four. Like Luke on Dagobah, right? And, and, Empire Strikes Back. Exactly. That's, that's what it really felt like. Um, and it was nice. It was. I, I was talking to Michelle. I don't think this is going to be the next big sci-fi epic or whatever. But it's a cool thing to have. Like, like I'm I, glad it exists. I, I think I, it's I, too niche. 
Well, I, th- I think that okay, it's... Okay, not niche. That might not be the right. I mean, when, when the book came out, it was like the thing. No, I know. What I'm saying is like, visually, it's... Oh, but I guess it's kind of similar to like Game of Thrones. I don't know. I just don't feel like it could gain that sort of... Like, That's a question. Could this work as a show? Like, if HBO Max bought the rights to Dune and made it a show, like Game of Thrones. I think it'd be too expensive. Yeah. It, well, Amazon well, just mean, dropped a billion dollars on Lord of the Rings. Yeah, but... I think it'd be easier to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, but I, I... No, no, no. In terms of storytelling, right? Uh, you take a look at Watchmen, The Boys, Wheel of Time, Game of Thrones. No, clearly it'd be the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But I is there an audience mm-hmm. for it that I, I think that's inconclusive. And, and you see that in how they hadn't even greenlit a sequel until like, this had come yeah. out and and had started performing well. They had no idea how no, well. Yeah. I'll do you one better. I mean, they only just greenlit it a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. It's been out for a little bit. Like, usually you see something like this. It well, gets greenlit. Well, before season one even ended, they greenlit season two. 100%. Great. Or like Game of Thrones. Like, season two was already in the works. Like, Squid Game, same thing. Yeah. South Park just got a $900 million deal for six more seasons so, and like three movies. So, so I think that this was very much teetering and it did just well enough. Also, I think in the critical reviews mm-hmm. that people wanted to see it, I think also it would have been a, very much a shame not to complete it. Yeah. Yeah. When I first saw the film, one of my negative reactions was, and I knew Going in, because I, I read the book the night before up until literally the page where the movie ends, uh, just to make sure I knew everything. I knew there was no way that they could finish this story. I knew this was going to be a part one, and the, the title card says part one, even yeah. though they just marketed it as Dune. Um, and one of my negatives coming out was, you know, until they greenlight a sequel, I can't, uh, like, I have to view this as only telling part of a story. Like, it's a film with an incomplete story. Now that they've greenlit a sequel... Right. it's a different story but i wanted to touch on what jordan said about this is not the next great sci-fi epic i think it might be like i'm not huge mm-hmm. on the film but i think this defines an epic no, no, I'm saying, obviously literally this is epic. i'm saying we look at like this this be major pop culture milestone i think he's talking about in terms of popularity yeah i'm saying this is no it's an epic, epic. this yeah. is this is yeah. literally an epic it's, an, it's an epic this yeah. is not going to be a new hope in 2021 right but i don't think but are you saying Star Wars isn't it? like Star Wars films are epics? Because I don't think Star Wars. Uh, films... I'm saying when, no, no, when no, I say epic, I mean literally, like, like, like not not in terms of like, the literary definition, like as in the next big sci-fi okay. franchise. The con- so the 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 cultural connotation of epic, not the literal right. definition of epic. Yeah, no, this is like an Odyssey style story. Oh yeah, very much an epic. Um, but I I spent like I don't think Dune's gonna you know, be, be, I don't think the rights to do it are, are going to be sold for $5 billion. Yeah, no, they're not going to send sandworms into every Toys R Us. And, yeah. And, well, and so, and once again, you sort of take a look at it. While I didn't feel the emotional connection in total with the characters in the story, there were moments where I did. When I think about um, Leto, Atre- Leto Atreides' what conversation is. with his son, where he pretty much tells his son that it doesn't matter what you turn out to be. I'll love you no matter what. You're always going to be my son. And that's enough for me. That meant something to me. One, as a son, and then two, as a father. Like, that was really well done. Once again, Oscar Isaac just does an amazing job. Jason Momoa and Duncan Idaho in that very much tragic character that very much believes in the true meaning of friendship and that you do anything for your friends, that was 
that was really well done. So I think there were moments, but once again, like you said, Patrick, it's it's Paul as a character. He is not meant to. He's not meant to evoke emotions. He's a messiah. Right. The other characters are meant to evoke emotions. And that's why, and George, you and I talked about this before. Like, I thought Timothy Chalamet played it the way he was supposed to play it. Because I've seen him have wide-ranging emotions. Like, I've seen, if you've ever seen Beautiful Boy, that is an amazing performance. And and he's a very good actor. I think he played it the way he was supposed to play it. That's, That's my opinion. All right, well, I want to I wanna switch gears quickly. We touched on cinematography earlier. Do you think it warrants talking about just Ooh. how... Oh, well, I think we should expand upon cinematography to just the technical aspects. Sure, sure. Oh, yeah, sure. The technical aspects. Because it's probably the best... Uh, it might be one of the best of all time. Yeah. Technically. I mean, yeah, no. I, mean, I, I think at every level, it's a... Te- I mean, from when they land on Arrakis to the end of the film, it's just insane shot after... An- I'm just starting... Start I, I, yeah, I think even before... I think even on Even before, before that... that. When the ships are exactly. that they're about to leave on come out oh, of the yeah, water, that, was really that, was really uh, that made me sad that I didn't see this in IMAX. That shot right there was was designed for IMAX, and he's in. It was beautiful. The that entire, was a beautiful shot. Well, I think I think what I think they did what Nolan did with Interstellar were shot entirely with IMAX cameras mm-hmm. and Dark Knight. Um, was Dark Knight, shot Dark Knight was shot entirely with IMAX cameras. That's why it's different. I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, this was just unbelievable. I mean, the scene, the second sandworm scene where it rises up. Oh, I was going to say, Irene talks about like Zendaya made her come see this film. I saw that shot in the trailer. Yeah, I was like, like okay, I'll see it. Yeah, no, 100%. Oh, the trailers were brilliant because it got, every, listen, yeah. I was excited about this movie and I think it got something in, it evoked something exactly. in everybody to make them at least interested in the movie. I saw it just because I like the book, and I, I I think it's a cool story. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the entire scene where the Imperium and the Harkonnens invade the the the, the oh. city that was I mean that was just every shot was like holy cow I this is. Did he die? Well, I'm assuming I don't think he died. I don't think I don't think he died. I just assume he would die because no. they showed no. like they were decapitating a bunch of people. Yeah, but he wasn't there. I, I don't think, think like, he died. If yeah. you kill Josh Brolin, I feel like you got to show us you're killing Josh Brolin. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair. But until I see him again, I'm assuming he's dead. They're not going to pull a Brett Ratner, you know, Cyclops and kill yeah. him off screen. Yeah. Um, yeah. The thing, I'll be honest with you, and don't get me wrong, each of those shots that you guys are describing are beautiful. I don't think there was a bad shot in the movie. And the thing that got me, and this was the, the brilliance of Dennis Villeneuve. <laughs> is that even the, the, Denis Villeneuve? Is it Villeneuve? Denis? Denis Villeneuve. Thank you. Denis is that Villeneuve. what it is? Denis Villeneuve. Yes, thank you. Okay, Denis Villeneuve. Or, and I was wishing, no, no, you got it. Yeah. No, it's Villeneuve. Because um, I remember this from the original movie, and oh, this was so much better. The scene where Paul has to put his hand in the box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The way they did that, and it was very simple, and very well done, and it just all came together. And the look of that scene and the set design there was perfect. And yeah. the the sound, and I once again I thought that the the the, the visual style of the film was brilliant. I think, the la- I think the last movie I saw that was this visually stunning, for, from set design to cinematography to architecture to costume design, was Mad Max Fury Road. I that's the only other film that at literally every level I was like, this is insane. My government person doesn't like Mad Max. I'd have to think about it. Do you that. not I like Fury Road? I'm trying to think about the design. I would have to think just about in, it. Just in terms of how no, every, no, no. 
It and just how everything just worked. Even if you don't like the, you know, post-apocalyptic cars, you know, hyper, um, like, anarchy design of Mad Max, you gotta give them credit where it's due. Everything was perfect. And it all worked together. I think the same thing is true for Dude. Nothing felt out of place. Nothing felt like would that really exist in this universe. They had one vision and one design philosophy and they incorporated into everything they did. I think something like an Alita, maybe. I never saw Alita. Arrival. 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 <laughs> yeah. But Arrival takes place on our world. Right. So that, that, uh, they made Blade Runner 1049, also by uh, right. Nov, where It's the same kind of thing, where they have one philosophy and they stick to it the whole time. Hmm. Yeah. It worked. Um, but technically, like, past just the... Um, uh, you started touching on set design. Also, mm-hmm. the when you say one vision... I mean, look at the design of the ornithopters in this thing. That was amazing. The dragonfly. Just every vehicle, every... Like the massive, the hollow ship, whatever the hell it's called. Every ship, every big sand crawler. Whoever was in charge of the artistic design department, I think that they outshone every other technical aspect of the film, and that's saying something. Oh, I agree with that. I mean, I'd be be so surprised if this doesn't sweep the technical Oscars. I think it should. It was, yeah. it was, no, it was brilliant. Right. Not to mention, Hans Zimmer's doing the score. And aside from, I'm at least 90% sure that the main theme has the word cookie dough in it. Mm-hmm. Like that opera, I don't know what it's saying, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I heard cookie dough. I and mean, even the music is, I mean, it's, it's Hans Zimmer, so it's going to be good. But just at every level, uh, you know, the behind the scenes crew knocked out of the park. I think it was just. So I'm literally looking at the last couple of winners for best cinematography. And I'm trying to think about what would be on this level. Prisoners. And also by um, Danny Villeneuve. No, but I'm talking about Oscar winners. The Prisoners not win Best Cinema Academy? No. Um, but one movie that's on this, Pan's Labyrinth, mm. that was on this level. Really? I, really? I think I, so. I actually disagree. Yeah, I just, I've seen Pan's Labyrinth. I thought it was like, I mean, I, I get why it's... I mean, no. I, I'm, I, my, I don't like the movie, but even... Separating that, I'm not sure if I agree with that. But yeah, I yeah, go on. I go another one that I would put here: Gravity. I know oh, Gravity I is a very, least I know Gravity is a very polarizing movie. Hated that. But in terms of cinematography, yeah. set, Birdman. I would go with Birdman along this list. Mad Max didn't win, but it was nominated that year. Blade Runner won. Yeah. Roma mm. won. Uh, 1917. That was, that was 1917. So I would put I would put this up there with all of those movies. Oh, I think that should be only one of those, in my opinion, that rivals this. It's 1917. Yeah. Everything. Okay. Well, okay. Here's the thing with the other ones, though. They're very. They're in a different style. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think also with the other ones, like there, there is an argument to say, oh, I didn't like. The cinematography in this movie. You yeah. can argue you didn't like but it. I think 1917, 1917 and this. Well, I I loved 1917. I could argue that the cinematography style distracts from the story because you're paying attention I'm not to where about the distracts. I'm saying in terms of but I, but I get what he's saying though. I get what Patrick is saying. He's saying, listen, I've been told that it's supposed to look like one yeah. continuous thing. And it does. So, it, but but I'm but but I spent the whole cr- film looking for that. Right. right? <laughs> so it's it's, it's amazing, and sure. I I still I love the film. I'm just saying there's an argument. That's fair. But let's say you didn't know about. It. Let's say you just saw. Hey, here's this really good World War One movie, and I, and I put it on for you. Would it, would it then be distracting? 
Because you were coming out of this room. No, but I also don't know if you would agree that it was fantastic after that. That's true. But I don't think it's something that's necessarily that distracting. Because it's not like you're looking for, like, some, like, um, what is it called? Like, an Easter egg? Yeah. Or reference or whatever. Yeah, like, you're not looking for one thing (laughs) that's, like, just thrown into the movie. It's, like, I don't know. It's something so continuous that, like, you just kind of go with it. You don't need to pay attention to anything. It's just, like, you just keep your eyes and, like... It moves. Yeah. That's fair. No, but yeah, I definitely. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> this is very nice. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. You, I mean, keep I your eyes and it moves. It sounds stupid, but like. No, not at all. No, actually, no, 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 actually, no, actually, actually it doesn't. No, we're saying that's right. No, yeah, you're actually like, right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> very basic, but it's true. Yeah. That's all it is. Well, let's talk about basic, right? You take a look at how many color palettes, I guess, did he use? In the movie. In Dune? In Dune. In Dune. Like, you have, you have. It's you have um, the leader trade. You have trade planet. Right, Arrakis day, Arrakis, Arrakis night, night and the dream the, sequence. So four. well, you also have the imperial planet. Five. Yeah. five, 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 But that's the point, right? He wasn't going. Him and his team weren't just trying to do things to do them. Yeah, like they had a vision and they stuck to that vision because it was very integral to the story they were telling. And I guess that's part of it, right? The movie does a very good job. The movie's like a canvas, and they do a very good job of painting this really beautiful picture. Well, credit requires due to Villeneuve. If you look at any of his songs, I think he shares this with Wes Anderson. Uh, his use uh, of color is unlike almost anyone else in Hollywood. I mean, if you look at Blade Runner 2049, right, how many color palettes does he have there? Five or eight? Right, and each each different uh, location or different part of the film is a completely different color palette, and then he never uses it again. He does the same thing in Prisoners of Sicario. Prisoners, exactly. It's absolutely sudden. He he has a very definitive style. Yeah, so I, I think some director, Spike Lee, is oh. really into different camera angles, mm-hmm. right? And so he'll play with camera angles like no one else. Um, some directors are really into light. Some use sound. Whoever did Nightcrawlers, that'd be a big example of directors who are really oh. into light, right? Nightcrawlers all about different lighting and how that plays into Gyllenhaal and the story. Bill Newton, Wes Anderson, all about color. And, that's, and it's really prevalent in, certainly in, in all their films, but especially in Dune. It's so funny, like, how things make you feel like when you're on Arrakis. Like, I was thirsty the whole time. <laughs> like, I, I needed to go, I'm not even joking with you, I needed to go and get a big glass of water. Because <laughs> I was like, this is disturbed. Like, I would not make it on this planet. Uh, no, <laughs> no way. Um, no, I think anybody could. Yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I, I'd be really concerned that every five steps, a massive sandworm is going to come up <laughs> and, and take me out. Or that I would dehydrate within an right, hour. Right, right. <laughs> what, what are they called? Uh, the suits? Um, Silk suits? Still? Still suits? Still suits. Still suits? Still suits? Still suits? Still suits? Yeah. 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 Those are cool. Yeah, those, those are really cool. Honestly, all all of like the even like the personal designs, the Sadrakar, the shields, the shields were sick. Shield. Those, those were, were so cool. One hundred percent. That was one of the cooler you things. Just had a thing for shield. Oh yeah, yeah. For those, <laughs> those who don't know, I do own uh, a life size Captain America shield. Uh, so I had prized possession. Uh, so I don't want to hear anything. Uh, but I will say the shields. I've got to say. I don't quite understand how the projectiles oh, could, go, could go through the that. shields. Because the whole point of the shields is you have to have a slow blade that penetrates that it. can penetrate it. Mm-hmm. The projectiles, I get it, they're digging in, but they hit it quickly, so it should have just bounced off. No, they, they. if you saw, I was about to talk about this. <laughs> I love the way that not only they designed the shields, but the way that they held the interactions with yeah. the shields. Because when they're doing that dropping the bomb sequence on... <sighs> 
Uh, that at was night. really cool. Yeah, they, yeah, they they, down, yeah the bombs like slow down to the point. I'm not where saying they... those. I'm saying the thing that kills uh, Lido Atreides, that really small, whatever that penetrates the shield, that really small projectile, it hits the shield quickly. I mean, it burrows into it. But according oh. to the laws of the shield, that shouldn't work because it's still hitting it quickly. I forgot how much Jordan loves logic. I'm just saying, <laughs> no, it's precisely for what you just said. If you're gonna be really, one close, could just say. It slowed down right before it hit. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I don't it think it's that worth getting into. It doesn't because it's, 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 it has no. I don't know. I don't know that, that was the one thing that bothered me. I was like, "How does that work?" Um, no, the shields were were awesome. I will say, I kind of got. You ever seen him in Dark Knight Rises where he's climbing the pit, and the only way you can climb the pit is if he takes off the rope? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like having the Prince of Atreides train always with the shield. Like I was waiting for the moment where he was going to take off the shield, and that's when he's like fighting for his life. And I guess. Does he, when he fights the guy in the sand pit, does he have the shield? No. No. He doesn't. Okay, so that wasn't what it was. And remember, he I didn't mean, realize so what the rules were. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, because he asked him to yield. That was my yeah. favorite Paul moment, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, I didn't love Paul throughout the film, but I did uh, love when they finally explored his conflict over not wanting to kill someone after, like, Well, I feel like he didn't have much of a conflict. He was as he used to kill him, then he... Sort of just does it for me. I, no, he was still he was still missing. He him still like, missed him, and, him, and the yeah. guy thought that he was toying with him. Like, yeah. Right yeah. in the book, it's actually explained that that's because of the shield training because yeah. he's used to having to slow his blade to hit somebody. Yeah, but, I was, uh, I, I, in the film they took it a different direction. Yeah, which I, I, was fine. I thought worked. That was fine. Yeah, I think for me, my, my only issue with that fight is the guy kept yelling. Oh yeah, but it was just yeah, it was, just, it, it was like Kylo Ren from Force Awakens. Yeah, just the random screaming in the middle of a fight. Yeah. Um, I thought for me, my favorite Paul moment if we're if we're doing that was uh the dream sequence in the sand bunker, just because or, or or the hand in the box, mainly because both yeah, were yeah. Chalamet's best performances, and I gotta go probably like, those two scenes were were unbelievable. Um, no, look, uh, let's yeah, let's let's kind of we're getting to the, we're getting to that time, so let's do our closing thoughts, our rankings as a newcomer. Irene, you want to go first? Um, sure. <laughs> and, and Irene, we go zero. We think you know the zero yeah. to ten. You can do point. You know. Yeah, let's yeah, yeah. do you know, three decimals or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I guess I think overall I'd give it like maybe like a six point seven. Okay. Right. Um. Yeah, I think just my rating is probably lower because I didn't read the book. I, like from everyone that I've talked to. Um, if they've, if they read the book before watching the movie, um, you just have more of a sense of what's going on. And I just didn't, um, like I felt like I was missing something when the movie started. So yeah, but, um, obviously as we talked, like the cinematography was amazing and, um, I do like the cast a lot. Like I think it was well chosen. Um, yeah. Yeah. Patrick? I'd probably be just over seven, like a 7.3. I do think it's funny thinking about it now. I'm the only one who watched the full movie without falling asleep. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, I watched it. I didn't fall asleep. If you also skipped through half of it. No, I didn't. I only skipped through the last 20 minutes because I don't know the last minute. But um, I, I, I will watch part two. I'm mm -hmm. interested to see how it ends i'm sure that before i watch part two i'll finish the book because i still have only read to that part um but i think it's a really great adaptation of a fine story i'm not i'm not i like that mr Cobble. 
Um, I actually, um, I, I give it a 7.5. Um, I thought it was a very beautiful film. Um, I thought just artistically, visually, it was very well done and I was impressed. Um, once again, I, I, it's, not, it's not that I fully disagree with you, Jordan, about Timothy Chalamet. I just think that that's the, the way the character was supposed to be put. What? No, no, no. Chalamet. 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 Oh, God. I'm, I, I apologize for butchering names today. I apologize. And so, apologies to any names. Yeah. Uh, uh, that we, David um, Daswashin, Dennis, uh, Denny, 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 with the names. Um, that said, um, no, I thought it was a very beautiful film. I, I think that the people involved should be proud. I didn't necessarily have the emotional connection that I would have necessarily the sort of comparable films, but as a film, I thought it was great. And I really appreciated Oscar Isaac and Jason Momoa's performances. Yeah. Alexa? Um, 7.231. Thanks. Um, Thanks for that. Well, I, I <laughs> Turn off the mic. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Guys, we're Don Alexis off the podcast. Um, I thought it was cinematically beautiful, but like, there were a lot of lulls, I have to say. And I understand that it had to move slow, but it also, like, I don't know, like, I felt like I could have done without it. Mm-hmm. And so, it, like, heavily impacted my viewing. But other than that, I thought, like, the supporting cast was probably one of the best supporting casts all year or yeah. so far of what we've reviewed i mean the only thing we've left is no way home yeah that's gonna be freaking oh, oh no we have um eternals <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> that's funny that's funny, funny. funny. that's it's a good job let's call it i up. look like i guess looks like i'll be the one defending eternals <laughs> spoiler alert look, look i love lloyd I love she's a walking dead star so she has my heart what, what um, i'll say but... about it is i walked in knowing as much as i walked out <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll do that in the next podcast but yeah I'm sorry. anyway it's one of the best supporting casts of what we've reviewed so far um i i will be watching part two I'm interested enough, but I think there's room for improvement. Uh, For me, the way I kind of think about movies is if I will see it again, if I will see part two, and if I genuinely enjoyed the film, then it's good. I think for Dune, it checks all three boxes. Yes, there are some technical issues. I think it could have been, again, five minutes shorter. Could have cut a few things when they first landed on Arrakis. I think some of the performances could have been a little bit better, but I 100% go what you're saying, Patrick. Like Also, some of this is just based on the writing. Um, but all of those issues aside, Dune is cinematically, musically, uh, from a back-end perspective, one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. I think I turned to my dad and said, holy crap, that's amazing, at least five or six times. Um, and that really elevated it for me. So for me, I think I'll put it like a solid eight out of ten. I'll watch it again right before the second one comes out. I'll see the second one. Hopefully it's as good. But this was this is an enjoyable experience. I'm glad I watched it. Um, and really quickly, you know, on this podcast, we typically do a, a pretty good job with names. Um, for some reason, we were all, or me, myself also, specifically a little bit mumbled today. So to all the filmmakers, sorry about that. We do our best job with names and pronunciations, but thank you so much. Yeah. All right, guys, that is a wrap on Excelsior Season 2, episode I Don't Even Know. It's just the one about Dune. Uh, next week will be something because our publishing order is all out of whack so it'll be something uh, we'll let y'all know but that is it for today have a good night and we'll see you next time bye bye